So uh, today we'll be in Romans chapter 12, and we'll be going through uh, verse 3 through 21. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into our study today. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it never turns back void. Just ask that you would teach us as you see fit, God. Thank you that we can worship you, not just in, in song and music, but we can worship you through the reading of your word. Thank you that um, you uh, are so into us, God, that you gave us your word, Lord, to teach us. And so I pray, Lord, that um, we wouldn't leave this place uh, missing out on what you have for us today, myself included, God. Just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you guys to stand and we'll read uh, these verses together. Please stand in honoring of God's word, the most precious book in the world. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 is where we'll start. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Just teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, if you could turn the gain down on my channel a little bit. I changed that last week. Just a little bit, because I talk a little louder than Roy. And so there's a frequency that's feeding back in my ears up here. So just, just turn the gain down just a tad on my channel. There you go. Did you move it? You did. Perfect. Now that's good. Okay, cool. All righty, cool. So... Um, we've gone through, so the book of Romans is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul has laid everything out all the way up to, you know, the, the differences between the Gentiles and the Jews and, and, and all of that, and that the gospel is for everybody. 
And then we get to, you know, verses 12, chapter 12, verse one, verse one and two, we talked about last week and it covered not being conformed to the world, but being renewed in our mind, being transformed. And so we went through that. And so today I know we're covering a lot, but uh, it's really a great thing to be able to look at this in the entirety of what God's word says from Romans 12, verse three through 21. And we see in verse three, where it says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so the title of this sermon though is serve God with spiritual gifts. God gives all, gives all people that are Christians spiritual gifts. All of them are not the same. They all have a different place within the body. And also where to believe, I mean, where to believe, where to behave like a Christian. And so Paul gives practical application as well uh, from verse six on. And so um, in, I mean, uh, Rome, uh, I think nine, sorry. Where do we start after that? Maybe it is nine. Anyways, we'll get to that. Sorry, I referenced something that I didn't have in my notes here. Um, and so anyway, so the, the, these, chap, these verses are split up. Um, f- the first portion of it is serve God with spiritual gifts and then uh, behave like a Christian. And I did steal that title from uh, one of the Bibles that I study out of, so I did not come up with it myself, and I threw both of those pieces together, the different sections in one title. So, so we see here in verse three, Paul saying that it is because of God's grace given to him that he's able to say what he's about to speak to those that are receiving this portion of the letter to the Romans the Roman Christians, the Christians that are in Rome. And, and we see here also that do not think more highly of yourself. In other words, do not let pride puff you up. The reality is, is that it is by God's grace that we are able to do anything for him. This measure of faith that has been given to the believer is from God and for God and for his body, which is the church. And it's to glorify Jesus, nothing else. It's not to glorify man. Um, it's not to glorify a person's gift or anything. The church, the, the gifts within the church should always point to the glory of Jesus. They should always point to Jesus. Jesus is the focal point of the church, the body. He's who we worship. We worship him. We worship what he's done on the cross for us. We, we, we just, we should pour our lives out to him. And so Paul's just saying, look, you know, th- this, these gifts that we have, it's through grace and, and, and God gives a measure of faith and, and it's to glorify the Lord. And it's not something that we have somehow gained because of some human achievement to think and we're to think soberly of ourselves. And what that means in the latter part of verse three is that we're to think soberly of ourselves. We're to evaluate ourselves in light of the gospel. You say, well, that word gets thrown out. What is the gospel? The gospel is this, that we're all sinners, okay? That we are actually in need of Jesus, that he died for us willingly while we were sinners, that he loved us so much that he stayed on the cross. He's God. He could have gotten off of there. He could have said, well, these people have messed up all these years since Adam and Eve. I'm not going to do this. And so the gospel is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus because of him. And so we're to evaluate and think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. A lot of times people can get puffed up when they have certain gifts, certain gifts that, you know, they think, oh, look at me, I can do this and I can do that. And, and some churches are bent on highlighting the gifts that have been given. And that's not how God designed the body at all, because then it looks at the person and not Jesus. 
And then there's pride. And we all know that pride is a horrible thing. Pride's what caused Satan to fall from heaven like lightning. And so we have to be very careful with these things. And so Paul's saying, these things need to be thought. You need to think of yourself. You need to evaluate yourself soberly, not clouded, but thoughtfully in the light of the gospel. So we see in verse four, for as uh, we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. All of us in this room, we all have a different gifting that God has given us but we all don't have the same function. Our human bodies, this, this portion here, he's saying, look, for we, we have many members. So Paul's talking about the actual physical body. Our, as human bodies, we have many parts to, to them, but all of those parts do not do the same thing. A toe cannot see like the eye. A finger cannot hear like the ear. The lungs cannot say to the nose, you know, I don't want to be inside this chest cavity anymore. I want to be where the nose is outside and seen by everybody. Every part of your body and my body is important and none of them are less than the other or greater than the other in our physical body. I love how God takes the world that we live in and allows us to see real life examples. And so, so is the body of Christ. Verse five, so we, Paul saying, being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So it is in the body of Christ, there are many members or individuals, if you will, but all of us make up the body of Christ. Each of us distinct and important in the function of the body of Christ. We all are many, but we are one in Christ. Separate, but depend, listen, you guys, we are separate, right? But dependent on each other. Just like the parts of your physical body are unique and separate from each other in function, yet they all make up your physical body. So it is in the body of Christ, the church. We all are part of each other. I didn't make it up. Some of us can't stand each other sometimes, but God says that we're all part of one body. And that's, and this isn't in my notes, but it, I just want to share this with you that Satan's tactics within the church is to separate relationships from Christians within the body. Because if we're upset with others in the church, we're going to be so focused on ourselves and so focused on the other person that we're not going to be focused on Jesus and we're not going to operate in the giftings that God has given us for the functionality of the church so that the gospel can go forward, so that the word can be taught in power. So, I'm, I'm telling you, man, like, when, a, when I've been around a lot of fellowships and when, when the Lord has knit a community together, people look in and say, wow, that's amazing. And then it fosters not pride and selfishness, it fosters the stirring up of people's gifts. My desire, and Gene and I are wired this way, we want to see people stirred by the Lord and walking out and functioning in the gifts that God has given them. I want to see that in people. If I see somebody, there's folks that we've done ministry with for many, many years, and, and I see how the Lord has just drawn them, and then Gene and I can just say, hey, go run with what God's given you to run with. And, you know, Chris and Danielle in, 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 in kids' ministry is an example. Stacy, who served with us, it, it, you know, Danielle was 14 years old. She's how old now? <laughs> 
And I'm not trying to point a picture at, I'm not trying to exemplify them like, hey, look at them as a poster. I'm just trying to give an example. Like the ministry of the church is all of ours to do together. Okay. Now, sometimes that may be difficult. Sometimes you may be told, hey, this isn't really where you need to be. And sometimes you'd be like, I don't really want to do that. And you'll, the person in leadership will, will walk alongside you and go, okay, they, they want to push you a little bit and to walk out in faith. Yeah. Ministry is not comfortable. The church isn't comfortable. God had a sense of humor when he threw all of us together of different <laughs> backgrounds, different families, different upbringings. And then we bring hurts and pains and hangups and all these things. And he says, hey, love. You're like, what? <laughs> but it's, a great environment, listen, you guys, for us to die to ourselves and let Jesus be the Lord of our life, the Lord of our life, so that he is glorified, so that we, God's word says we, we're to walk in the spirit so that we do not gratify the lust of the flesh. We're to be empowered by the Holy Spirit as Christians. This walk as Christians is impossible without the power of the Lord. It's impossible without brotherly and sister accountability. It's impossible without being in the Bible on a daily basis, okay? God has created the body to be dependent upon each other, and it's a, be it's a beautiful thing. And we're to follow after the Lord. So people ask me, how's your church? I go, we're just following Jesus, man. I don't, I don't, what do you want me to say? What, seriously, like we could have 10 people or five people in here or 100,000 people and the attitude always needs to be, I'm following Jesus. Because there's areas in our life that come up and we need to be following Jesus so that when they do come up, we don't run or harden our hearts and we let the Lord convict us and bring healing because none of us are perfect in here. And so when we see this scriptures that we're gonna get into today, there's guidelines that God calls us to live by. And it's a beautiful thing when we actually follow after him. None of us are perfect. I, you know, I, we're all sinners saved by grace and we're all in process. But God calls us to live in a loving way with each other. And, and it's a beautiful thing that we see how the body of Christ is and that it's his church. And we see in verse six, Paul now gives instruction for the use of certain gifts. This is not an exhaustive list of the gifts of God, um, but, but, uh, but it, th this is not an exhaustive list of gifts that God gives to individuals. So it's, it's not exhaustive. There's only certain ones. So verse six through eight, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So God has spiritual gifts for all Christians, and we do not all have the same giftings. Now it is important to understand that these gifts are given according to God's grace. Like I mentioned before, it is by the grace of God through faith that he has granted to an individual by which that individual's gifts are to be used. In other words, God gives the strength to the, individu to the individual to use God's gifts. It is our responsibility to operate in them. God gives spiritual gifts not on the basis of our own abilities, but because he chooses to give them. 
So let me encourage you, family, start asking God, Lord, reveal to me what spiritual gifts I have. Pray for that for a month or two and see what God does. And I'm not saying, you know, start jumping around and because slaying in the spirit's not in the Bible. It's not. Speaking in tongues, biblically, if it's done publicly, there must be an interpretation. Scripture is very specific about it. Um, and, and remember that the gifts are to edify who? Jesus. And the body, the body and Jesus. So if you have the gift of tongues and you're speaking it publicly all the time and there's no interpretation, it doesn't edify anybody. If you're, if, if you're running around doing things that, you know, God has given you as a gift and, 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 and the agenda is look at me, then you're not really operating in the confinements that God has asked us to operate our gifts in. I believe all the gifts in the Bible are for today, but I believe that they're to be dictated and directed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that the person who has those gifts actually is hesitant and waits on the Lord, okay? Kind of like merging onto the freeway in, down, in, 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 in the Bay Area. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You know, they got that light, and I always wish it was like three cars get to go with the green light, not just one. We're always saying, oh, I got to get, I got to get, I got to get. No, we need to wait on the Lord. We need to be led by His Spirit. Because when God does give us gifts, we can be puffed up in pride. We can think that we're doing it for Him under the guise of wanting to bless Him, but we're really doing it in our own strength. And then it doesn't do anything except edify ourselves and not others. That's why Paul talks about these things here. That's why having then gifts differing according to what? The grace of God. The grace that's given to us. It doesn't talk about the ability of it. But it's because of the grace of God. And when we live our lives and we operate in the giftings that God gives us, and we operate as Christians under the guidelines of grace, it keeps us humble, okay? Because grace means that it's God's favor towards us. It's something he gives us that we don't deserve, you know? We didn't go, oh, God, look at me. I did all these good things, so give me your grace. No, he says, Brian, my grace is there for you regardless of what you ever did or didn't do. And when we really look at that soberly, it's humbling. And so we need to operate that way. But God does give the strength to do these things. And it is our choice. There's people who God's given gifts to do and they squander it. They decide to live their life the way they want. And they don't walk out in what God's called them to do. But God gives spiritual gifts not on the basis of our own abilities, but because he chooses to give them. God didn't look and go, ooh, looky, looky, here's Brian. He's done so amazing, so I'm going to give him great faith to teach the Bible because Brian passed the course of great faith. God didn't do that. No, the facts are these. We are sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And it is by grace through faith that we can operate in the gifts that God has given to us. We see the gift of prophecy listed here. 
Pertaining to the gift of prophecy, I thought it was important to give some detail to this because in our day and age, a lot of what it is has been skewed. The Believer's Bible Commentary states this. Sometimes I'll, you know, read specifically from a commentary if I think it's important for us to be able to understand the context of what things are. And so, uh, Believer's Bible Commentary states this. Those who have the gift of prophecy should prophesy in proportion to their faith. That's what the scripture says. A prophet is a spokesman of God, declaring the word of the Lord. Prediction may be involved. It's not required, by the way, but it is not necessary. It is not a necessary element of prophecy. In the early church, writes Hodge, who is a commentator also, the prophets were men who spoke under the immediate, listen, you guys, under the immediate influence of the Spirit of God and delivered some divine communication relative to doctrinal truths, to doctrinal truths, not man's truths, not man's emotions, not what man thinks they're saying through prayer, but doctrinal truth. The Bible is the idiot filter. Sorry, I'm an idiot. You guys aren't. I'm glad God gave this to me and he's given it to you guys as well. So these people uh, spoke divine, divine communication to relative to doctrinal truths and to, present, to the present duty, to the future events, as the case may be. Um, their ministry is preserved for us in the New Testament. There can be, no, listen, you guys, there can be no inspired prophetic additions to the body of Christian doctrine. Christian doctrine. Today, since the faith has been once for all delivered to the saints, Jude verse 3 says this, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That rules out every religion except Christianity being True or not? Uh, Christianity is truth. Uh, the doctrine of the Bible is truth. Anything added after this is false. After the New Testament, it's false. Mormonism, it's a false doctrine. Jehovah's Witnesses, false doctrine. Any religion that comes in and says, hey, you know, ah, it's a little different than this. You know, it's, it, this is how you get to God. No, no. Jude, Jude verse 3 throws all of those other religions out the window saying that they're false. Anything that was after the doctrines that are in the New Testament are false. And I say New Testament because they came after the Old Testament. So, uh, the commentator continues, says, thus a prophet today is simply one who declares the mind of God as it has been revealed in the Bible. Strong's says this, all modern prophecy that is true is but the re republication of Christ's message, the proclamation and expounding of truth already revealed in Scripture. Those of us who have the gift of prophecy should prophesy in proportion to our faith, where it says that in the Scripture. This may mean according to the rule. Now, there's two beliefs where it says according to the, according to the faith. So, um, in, in the original text, it says our faith. And so there's a split in regards to what's the meaning where it says faith. One is uh, according to the rule of rule or norm of the faith that is in accordance with doctrines of Christian faith. 
as they are found in scriptures, or it may mean according to the proportion of our faith, the one who is prophesying, or the hearers. We know in scripture that Jesus talked about that certain people didn't have faith and so in what he was saying, and so there, there was no outcome of what Christ did. Their faith wasn't there in him. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a heady thing. It's, it's hard to wrap our mind around it sometimes, but, but, but God requires us also to believe and have faith. And so uh, the, 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 the commentators that I read through this piece, there, there is the basis of um, it is possible that it is the faith in the doctrine of Scripture or faith in the hearers or faith in the one that is prophesying. But the proclamation expounding of truth already had been revealed in Scripture, okay? And so when somebody comes up and say, I have a word for you or whatever, if it's not like, you got to discern those things. You know, there's some people that think that they, you know, can just do whatever and say whatever, thus saith the Lord, but man, they got to be at that stoplight in traffic in, in San Jose and just wait to get on the freeway and pray, I've been around people where they're like, oh, the Lord has this, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Gina and I, we were at a worship conference. She was leading worship, and this, this woman who claimed that she was a prophetess and everything, she, she came up, and, and she prayed over us, and she looks at Gina, I believe you're a worship leader. My wife's been leading worship for like 10 years or something by the time this happened. Gina actually had a conversation with her and told her she was wrong, and she's just speaking what she saw, and she wasn't speaking from the Lord because she wasn't. She was puffed up in her own gifting that she wanted to be looking like she was something that God was using. And so we have to be careful. Okay, we really have to be careful. So the gift of ministry. Uh, the, the word ministry here is a very broad term. It is not pertaining to the office or duty of clergy, as some may think. It is the gift of service. Someone that sees a need and just goes and takes care of it. They have a servant's heart. I've seen some of you do that here. You just, I, you bring tools and you fix something. No one told you to do anything. The gift of teaching. This is one that gives, this is a person that gives instruction, able to explain the word of God so that it is able to be applied in the hearer's life. Now, the gift of exhortation is kind of mingled with that. The gift of exhortation is encouraging those that have been instructed to practice what they have been taught. In other words, to stir up the believers of Christ, to refrain from all forms of evil and press on to do, press on to doing things that are godly to serve Christ. That's what the gift of exhortation is. Gift of giving. He who gives with liberality. This would be a person that uses the resources God has given them to benefit the body of Christ. And they are to give liberally or generously without restraint. Those that have the gift of giving when they are not liberal with their giving and stop, it has often happened that their resources seem to dwindle down. They have forgotten the reason to why God had blessed them in the first place. It was to be a giver for the, further, for the furthering of the body of Christ. There's businessmen who are Christians, and they, they, they give millions of dollars away because it's just how God has blessed them. They know that, the, and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not just because you have a bunch of money doesn't mean God's given you that gift. You know, but if God has gifted you with the gift of giving, you're to give liberally. Because God's the one who supplies. 
I don't know about you guys, but years ago, Gina and I just tithed no matter what our bills were, no matter what our income was. God, it's your money. We're giving it. That's not pertaining to this piece right here, but it's an attitude in our heart. Are we giving? Are we willing? God has never, I, I, I don't know how it works, but, but we haven't been, we're not kicked out of our house and our bills get paid, you know? And, and some days there's five bucks in the bank and then I get paid a week later or whatever. And I, I go to the bank, I go, I don't know how that $5 stayed in there. When we had $4,000 at the beginning of the month to pay our bills, all of it left in like three days. But the $5 after the three days is there for until we get paid again. It's weird. But pertaining to this, it's like those who have a gift, a spiritual gift of giving, okay? Give with liberality, to give, give liberally. Gift of leading, he who leads with diligence. Leaders must persevere. They must continue without giving up. They must be diligent no matter what happens. The body of Christ needs those that God has gifted as leaders. This could be an elder in the church, a deacon, leading a men's study or women's study, any area as a leader in the church, those that have this gift must, no, must not be one that gives up. A leader, God's word says, he who leads must lead with diligence. Don't give up. Stay the course. Gift of mercy. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Mercy is the supernatural gift to take care of others when they are in distress. This gift requires cheerfulness. We can take care of people in their distress, and that is difficult as it is, but to show cheerfulness while doing it is a sure sign of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Now we see in verse 9, Paul now gives some instruction on how to live as a Christian with others. You're like, okay, Brian, I'm, it's time for barbecue. This is convicting stuff, honestly. This verse nine, we all say we want to love, but then it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. To live without hypocrisy is love that is not fake. It's hard. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Love that does not have a mask. I'm sorry, I, I went back to reading the verse. So love without hypocrisy is love that is not fake. Love that does not have a mask. We should not be hypocrites with our love for others. Please don't be fake. If you got an issue with somebody, man, go talk to them. That's what real love is. Real love is that. You know, there's been so many times in my life where it's like I had bitterness towards somebody. They had no idea. And I went out of the Holy Spirit's like, you need to go talk to them. See, that's the fun thing that happens if we walk with the Lord and we talk and pray a lot because God says to pray, the word says pray without ceasing. And, and if we have a soft moldable heart, then all of a sudden the Lord's like, and you're like, what? No. Oh, I see they're there by themselves. Just go, you gotta go over there. And you're freaking out. You're freaking out. You're like, oh, I don't know. And then you say, I'm sorry for being this way. You need to know this is how I felt towards you. It was wrong. And it doesn't matter what they say to you. 
because God calls us to be loving and kind and to let his forgiveness come out of us. It doesn't say, oh, you know, well, if they reciprocate, then it's good. No, because when I stand before God one day and you stand before God one day, he's going to say, what did you do with this? What'd you do with it? I told you what to do. Why'd you deny me? Why'd you deny the work that I wanted to do in you? You want to be healed. You want to walk this out. Why are you not letting me in? And I, and I take a somber voice because God cares about relationships so much that he put this fun stuff in the Bible. And when I read this, I have to evaluate, Lord, have I been a hypocrite in the way I love people? Have I abhorred or hated what is evil? Have I ran from evil and clang to what is good, clinging to it? Hate what is evil. Anything and everything the Bible calls evil, don't side with it. Run away from it. There's a lot of that nowadays. If you want to be trained up and learn truth in regards to what God says about the LGBTQ community, there's a poster back there. Calvary Chapel Modesto is putting on a huge event. Many people that are coming out of that, transgender, that God has changed. They're spokespeople of how God changed their lives when they decided to live that way. There's a whole agenda right now trying to rewrite Christianity. And we're to love without hypocrisy. But we're also to speak truth. But I really do encourage you, go grab a flyer back there and sign up for it. Gina and I will be there because I want to know how to be able to love people and how to be able to share the gospel properly to people. So hate what is evil. Whatever the Bible calls evil, we're not to side with it. But I like this. No. Psalm 34, 14 says this, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Don't just run away from evil, but cling to what the Bible defines as good. We see in verse 10 through 13, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Oh my goodness, thank you. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. That means praying always. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. And so we see it's really neat. If we write down just verses two through 13 and kind of pin that on the requirement of the church, we might get along okay. In verses 10 through 13, we see what life looks like when it is governed by God. The person is kind, has family, I'm sorry, the person is kind and has family-like love and affection for one another. They are genuine and give preference to others. They are other-centered, not selfish. They serve the Lord, not lagging in diligence. They are not lazy in the church, in other words. There's always work to be done in the church, always. Uh, they're rejoicing in hope. Our hope is in Jesus, not in the outcome of our service. That's why we rejoice, because our hope is in Jesus. When trials and tribulations come, we are to be patient and steadfast in prayer. Not like, 
ah, that's how I like to be. And God's like, no, 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 don't do that. I don't know about you, but as I, as my walk progresses with the Lord and he just keeps throwing this mirror up in front of me, this ain't Jesus, Brian. It's you. Am I alone? Probably not. (laughs) But we're to be patient. We're to be continuing steadfastly in prayer. What's your prayer life like? Are you talking to God all the time or are you just texting people and social media and all the time? You think the enemy hasn't created social media to distract the church away from what really sitting at God's feet is about? I'm not that smart. I mean, if the enemy can use scripture to try and tempt Jesus to take the world, then creating social media that drives us away from him is nothing for him because it's great and feels good and, and everyone likes my posts. <laughs> but isn't that what we do? Like it literally, ta- it literally tailors our brain to be self-centered. Yep, like David said, it serves up dopamine every time we see it. That's real, you know? That's why TikTok is so quick. Causes our mind to always be like, listen, you guys, it causes our mind to always be fast. That's not a relationship with Jesus. God calls us to wait on him, to wait on him. I think about Elijah, you know, in the storm, right? The witch said, I'm going to come and kill you after he did this great miracles, you know, and uh, God called fire down and took all the false prophets and the the altar that had water around it and God consumed it, showed his glory. And then the next thing he's in a cave saying, God, kill me, get rid of me. I don't know why I was going there. There was a point to it. That's okay. Oh, thank you, Lord. And God took him and put, you know, wind and, and a storm and all these things. And, and, and the Lord's voice wasn't in any of those things. It was, it, was, it, was, it was the quietness, the stillness is where God's voice was. And so we need to work that into our lives. Are you really communing with the Lord? Are you really walking with him? Are you really talking with him? Are you praying with perseverance? Are you continuing steadfastly in prayer? Isn't that kind of cool? We see in verse 10 through 13, all these action things like, hey, I can love people and do this. I'm not, I'm gonna be diligent. I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna do this. And then he throws in continuing steadfastly in prayer. Oh, a lot of times we put all these other things in a priority because and then we put prayer last or we don't include it in those things. And then, and then the, the way the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to write it, rejoice in hope, patient, and tribulation. We need to be praying so we can be patient in tribulation. We need to be praying so that we can rejoice in hope. Without prayer, we're, nothing happens, man. As Christians, we are to be looking for needs that are in each other's lives. That need could be a car.
than we might give to somebody. We're to be hospitable, friendly, and welcoming, not looking unhappy all the time. See, then the world looks in and goes, wow, why'd you do that? Somebody had a need. Do your neighbors have needs? Are you too focused on yourself and you can't see the needs around you? I, ten- I, I can be that way. You know? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse in verse 14. <laughs> what? Persecution was a very real occurrence in those days of Paul and the early church. It's a very real thing in other parts of the world today, and we are seeing it more and more in our day and age in the U.S. We're to bless those that do this to us. We're to bless them and not curse them. Our flesh wants to retaliate, but we're to be led by the Holy Spirit, not our flesh. We're to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep in verse 15. And then the words come alongside others. When we rejoice with each other or weep with each other, we will be of the same mind towards one another, which is in verse 16. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. In other words, stay humble. Don't start thinking you're too good to associate with others that may be lowly. Jesus didn't set his mind on high things. He associated with the humble. He was not wise in his own eyes. What an example we have in Jesus. And Paul is just expounding on these Christ-like characters that we as Christians need to follow. I don't know, but this portion of Scripture is just reading my mail. <laughs> 17, repay no, e- no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If someone is doing evil or saying evil things to you, you are not to repay them with evil. That's hard. You're to do good in the sight of all people. How will people know what is right and good if Christians are not acting that way? We say, hey, we have the truth, but then our life isn't acting like the truth. Then there's no example in the world. Jesus calls us the salt and light. He was that as well, but he says that we are that. Right? Take your light, don't hide it under a basket. Right? If salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. In other words, it's to be thrown out and run over by horses, donkeys, and carts. And salt was a preserving item then. It brought flavor and it preserved. And so if our life, if we're, if we're caught up in wanting to repay people when they've done us wrong, our, our saltiness for Jesus is gone. Even if you're harboring it in your heart, you're like, well, I'm not doing it on the outside. You're to do good in the sight of all people. How will people know what's right and good if Christians are not acting that way? The world is looking at us and our lives show what is good and godly in this world. Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 45 says this, 
You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So in the Old Testament, that was the law. If somebody did something to you, hey, take it. We're, we're, you, you're not, you're not going to hurt each other. So people, well, I don't want my tooth out, so I'm not going to hurt his tooth. You know what I mean? So that's, the law was that way. But then Jesus comes and he says, you know, you've heard that being said. In verse 39, Jesus says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him also. You're like, what? No way. It's contrary to us, but this is what Jesus even is saying. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn him away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. All of us are probably listening to this and half of us are going, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. But see, then you've elevated yourself above God. Because Jesus was the ultimate servant and Jesus laid his life down and Jesus was spit on and Jesus was beaten and Jesus washed the feet of a bunch of stubborn, prideful disciples in an upper room and Jesus is God. So God himself set the example of how we're to be. And when we look at this, we need to come undone and say, I don't know how to do this, Lord. And that's where the Holy Spirit starts building in us his character because then we're recognizing our lack of ability and where God has the ability. The word says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness, not in our strength. And when I read scripture, it weakens me because it reveals to me that I'm not this way all the time. And it reveals to me that I need to be dependent upon the Lord so that this is a reality in my life, so that love in my life to others is not hypocritical. And I'm convicted about this all the time. It's really hard for me because God's gifted me to speak. Well, this, don't laugh, Trish got, <laughs> laughed at me last time I said this, but, but the greatest gift a lot of times in our life is our greatest weakness. And I've been beat up before as a kid because of my mouth. And I've been praised by other people because God has used me to speak. And we have to be careful. We have to let the Lord dictate how we're to live and act and think. We're all in the same boat. I haven't made it, okay? None of us have. We're not in heaven yet. God has, uh, uh, all of us are learning We're all in process, but that's no excuse either. We're to learn and have a moldable heart and say, Lord, I need your help. And you know what? If you fail in an area, confess your sins to the Lord. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God, I confess, I confess this, I confess this. I can just always, always. When David brought the altar back after 
you know, I mean, the Ark of the Covenant, they, the Philistines had it, and, and so they finally got it back, and they tried to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and this is all in, in the Old Testament, back the way the Philistines did, and a guy touched it and, and died, and, and so they were doing things for the Lord the way the world was doing it. The Philistines were the example of the world, and then they gave it to this guy, and the guy was blessed, and so they came back, and then they finally carried the altar the way God originally called it to be carried, and David stopped every few steps and built an altar and worshiped God. And so in our lives, we need to be altered at the feet of Jesus always, because sometimes when he reveals things to us, we can't handle what he wants us to change. Somebody said once that if God, you know, I, I, I remember a season in my life where I wanted God to fix all of me. God, fix all of me right now, please. And I don't know if the person told me this or I heard it somewhere else, but I'll just say it's been said that if God fixed us inside with the, with, 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 with the amount of what he wants to transform us, if he did it instantly, it would kill us because he wants to change us inside so greatly in such a way that we aren't capable of ourselves to change ourselves. And it's in that where our relationship with God becomes real. I don't know about you, but I want a real relationship with God. I don't want a fake relationship with the Lord. I need to know that he is for me. I need to know that he's working things out in my life that I can't fix myself. I need to know that. And God wants to show that to you as well. But if we're not walking with him and we're stubborn and we, and we have pride and we have unconfessed sin, God will let us keep walking in that fashion. And it's a miserable place. But he has such great plans for all of us, plans to prosper us, and it doesn't mean financially. There's nothing like serving God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength to love him. And you look back and you go, wow, God, look at what you're doing in my life. It doesn't matter what I have or don't have. I have you and you're everything. We need to fall in love with Jesus. My greatest prayer for my children. I mean, the statistics of pastors, kids that fall away is so great. My greatest prayer for my kids is that they would love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because this world hates them, their flesh hates God, and they need Jesus. And we're all like that. We're all God's kids. We need the Lord. I can't stress it enough. I hope that going through this, you know, we don't, because sometimes when there's serious things that God's word throws out, we tune it off. Don't let that happen today. Just like a baby crying. No, listen, I'm not kidding. Listen, why do babies cry? Because they need something. We need to have that attitude towards Jesus. No barrier, no hindrance. And I pray that if there is a hindrance in your life today, let it down today, get rid of it. Get rid of it. God will take care of it. We see here Jesus continuing in verse 45, that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, we're all in it together. We're not to repay evil for evil. We're to pray for those who spitefully use us and persecute us. Finishing up Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible 
as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, you are to be responsible for you to live at peace with all people. People will do bad things, but you're responsible for not adding to the fire and making sure you're not becoming part of the problem. Once you repay evil for evil, you are now part of that problem. Verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, give place to the wrath, that God, give place to God's wrath. Let the Lord deal with the people. Paul here in verse 19 is quoting from part of Deuteronomy 32, 35. God will avenge his children. He's got this. Man, I need that reminder. I'm just like, when I was going through this, all this stuff's flooding in my head about my past and different things and different people and like, all right, Lord, you got all these things, man. Verse 20, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing it, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Paul's quoting Proverbs 25, verse 21 through 22. So if you really want to get back at somebody who's hurt you, go wash their car. Give them flowers. Get them a gift card. Buy them Starbucks. See what happens. Go beyond praying for them. This is talking about doing something practical for them. I didn't write it. You're like, oh, Lord, I'm going to pour fire on everybody. Here's gift cards for everyone. <laughs> Could you imagine that? If we just started giving gifts to people who hated us, they'd be like, why are you doing this? Well, don't tell them because God's going to put fire on them. Because this, this is for us as Christians to hear, not for you to tell somebody. I'm giving you this gift card, Robert, because, you know, you hate me and I want God's fire to fall on you. They'd be like, what? <laughs> Should I spend it? But it's doing good instead of evil. That's why verse 21 says this. Look at what it says. Do not be overcome by evil. That gives us the inkling that it's possible. The Bible says, don't do that. Don't be overcome by that because it's possible for us to be overcome by evil. I've been consumed by things because of my hurt. You know the saying, seeing red, you know? Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Look, people. People are going to do bad things, and we as Christians are to be Christ-like in all situations. Man, it's so convicting, I'm telling you. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit and be in the Word of God daily so that we are able to live this way, overcoming evil with good. Your neighbor may, may make you mad about something. Mow his lawn. Could you imagine that? Now, he might yell at you because you didn't set the lawnmower at the right height. Pull their trash cans in. Don't go in their backyard. 
You'd be like, Pastor Brian said that it was okay to do this. Why are you in my backyard? Gunfire goes off. No. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> He's like, who's Pastor Brian? I don't even go to church. Who cares? <laughs> but you get the point. Bring him dinner. Everyone likes food. Compliment them and don't make them something that you don't like to eat either. Okay. I tried. I've never had this before. It's like this 25 bean stew. And I don't know. Here, let's give it to our neighbor that. No, don't do that. Compliment them on something. Like I mentioned, get them a gift card for dessert or a meal. Do anything that would be good to them. And, and listen, you guys, try it. See what God might do. You never know. Go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your scripture. And Lord, I just pray that as we went through a lot of things, Lord, that really, I, I, if it, I don't know, Lord, it, you reveal who we are, Lord, when we read the word. And uh, Lord, um, I just pray that you would help us to love without hypocrisy, that you would help us, Lord, to abhor what is evil and cling to what is good, that you would help us, Jesus, to operate in the gifts that you've given us. Lord, if there's gifts that you want to bestow upon your body, Lord, reveal what it is, Lord, according to Scripture, not according to man's theologies, man's own interpretation. Lord, help us to, to do good to those who hate us. Help us to pray unceasingly, Lord. Help us to love when we're persecuted. Gosh, Lord, it's so hard, man. Our flesh is, it's so opposite of our human nature. But Lord, you are so good, and you reveal these things that we might be dependent upon you and that you might um, be seen in us, Lord. And Lord, as we have really been given a responsibility today, Lord, to think about these things and to ponder them, I pray that you would help us to do that and that we wouldn't um, leave this place, Lord, today, Lord, forgetting later on um, maybe we should go back and read these scriptures again, Lord. But help us. Help us to love others. Help us, God. We need help, Lord. When people do things against us, Lord, we need help to love them. And I'm not talking about being a doormat, but Lord, you call us to love others. Lord, help us to keep short accounts with others, Lord. If there's sin in our lives that we need to get rid of, Lord, Bring us to a place of repentance, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.